What is up? We're going to give you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio, and I'm your host, Jason Qualls, certified financial planner, one of the only independent commission-free financial advisors in Rutherford County. For all about me, the website is easy, jasonquallscfp.com. Questions, comments, click email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. All the social media links are there as well. Uh, jump on in, be a part of the show. A recent article coming out about Social Security and when the benefits will actually be depleted. It's not really the reserves or benefits are going to be depleted. It's actually when will the tax revenue from payroll taxes not be enough coming in to pay what is going out. The annual trustees report, which was released recently, found that Social Security benefits uh, could be paid in full until about 2034. Social Security's trust fund will be able to pay full retirement benefits until 2033, one year earlier than predicted in last year's report. Well, that's interesting, right? So they did a calculation last year. So we're good until 2034. And up, uh, nope, comes out the new new calculation. We're only good until 2023. At that time, the reserves for the Social Security Trust Fund, which pays survivor and retirement benefits, will run out and tax revenues will be able to cover 76% of scheduled benefits. So it will actually be depleted. And then the revenues are meh. Additionally, so we're running short right now. So that right, there's only one way to deplete something. So if there's money there now, and it's going down, 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 down until the year 23, and it's gone, there is a shortfall currently. That is one of the biggest issues that I think. You know, obviously it's a, it's a demographic of older Americans, but it will affect everyone that's paying into payroll taxes, paying into Social Security taxes, whether you're self-employed or employed. But we're too concerned. We got to fix everything else. We got to fix ridiculous uh, government programs. We got to fix. You know, we got to make some IRA tax rule changes. You know, this is the stuff that Congress votes on. Why is this not more of a pressing issue? Again, in twenty thirty-three. The Social Security Trust Fund is, is projected to run out of money, and then tax revenues will only be able to cover 76% of scheduled benefits. The key part of this article is the projection last year was that the money would run out in 2034. The projection this year, it will run out in 2033, and I assume it has a lot to do with what happened in the economy, uh, maybe payroll taxes being lower due to the pandemic. Than they usually have been, so we got to estimate this stuff. Congress needs to get on board with this and fix this issue. But what are the ways they can fix it? Well, they can raise payroll taxes, and for the employer, they can raise payroll taxes for the employee. Um, they can extend the age at which you can withdraw Social Security. They can actually stop capping the income level of which you pay into Social Security, which I never understood that one. Uh, I'm sure there's some good arguments for it, but think about it. If you make, I don't know, I think it's 120000 somewhere around there, maybe a little higher. I'm not going to look up the figure. Uh, you'll get the gist of whatever the income number is. But if you make $120,000 and under, you pay into the Social Security system. If you bank more than that, you don't pay into the Social Security system. Uh, 
Now, I get that there's a point where you're never going to see a benefit if you're high income. If you're making a million dollars a year and you're paying, you know, the payroll tax and stuff, the, the Social Security tax on that million dollars a year, you're never going to get anywhere close to what that your income level. So it is a lopsided deal. But why do we got to cap it? That's one way to fix it. You know, that's I'm not for taxing anyone more. Just give me a good explanation of why it was capped in the first place. But those are really the options. I and mean, we can tax more. We can uh, increase the age of when you can start withdrawing benefits. That's really about it. Uh, additionally, the Disability Insurance Trust Fund, this is what covers disability payments, is currently able to pay and provide benefits until 2057 before it runs out. That's eight years earlier than predicted last year. Who's predicting this stuff? The Social Security Trust Fund and the Disability Insurance Trust Fund are separate entities, but hypothetically, they are com- they were combined. The funds would be, if they were combined, they would be able to provide benefits until 2034. I don't need to go down that road. This is just some uh, mathematician speak. The trustees report also assumed higher mortality rates due to the pandemic through 2023 immigration and childbearing were expected to fall from predictions in the 2020 report with a potential for an uptick in a few years these changes to short-term assumptions affected the outlook of the program though it was difficult to predict the long-term consequences the summary says given the unprecedented level of uncertainty the trustees currently assume that the pandemic will have no net effect on the individual long-range ultimate assumptions hmm Okay. There is no consequ- no consensus on what the lasting effects of COVID-19 pandemic on the long-term experience might be. Uh, anyone going to say this? Is anyone going to come out and say it? A lot of people have passed away. And that's going to affect how many people are receiving benefits. Is there some, is there some uh, upside to that as far as when it comes to the system? But nonetheless, I don't want to be cold-hearted there, but that's just the truth of what they're looking at as far as their future assumptions on this matter. It's just one of those things. You've been hearing about it. I've been hearing about it for like 20 years. So we've known that there's going to be a shortfall around 2030-ish. And we're, the money's going to run out essentially in around 2030-ish. Why have we not done something to say, hey, you elected me to do a job. You elected me to solve some problems for the betterment of the country. This should be right up there with that. If you want to jump in and be a part of the show, click Email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. I'm Jason Qualls, certified financial planner. You hear it all the time, how to maximize Social Security benefits. And if you're beyond before age 50, you're not even thinking about Social Security. And to be truth be told, I think anyone retirement planning retirement under the age of 50, even 55 really, probably isn't counting Social Security into their planning. Why? Because they have no faith that the government will fix the system. But in all likelihood, Social Security will be at your retirement years in some shape or form because it's backed up by the taxing power of the United States government. To save it, they're just going to raise taxes. That's the end of the story. But you hear all the time, should you wait until age 70 to start Social Security? When should you start Social Security? If you're in a rush to file for benefits at 62, as many people are, so let's do the math first, or you might regret it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You got to do. You got to look at what's best for your situation. But I think that what it comes down to with Social Security, 
is that people look at it in isolation. They go, what's the best way? You know, what's the best, best mass, ma- excuse me, can't speak. Best mathematical calculation to uh, maximize your payments out of Social Security. And depending on your unique situation, waiting to age 70 is probably the one-off best solution. But we have to remember, that's not real life. Real life, you know, if you're trying to retire in your early 60s or mid-60s, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, somewhere in there, before your full retirement age based on Social Security benefits, you have to factor in, well, if I delay it, how does this impact everything else I have on? If you've planned ahead of time that, hey, I'm not taking it, you started at age 45, go, I'm not taking it until age 70. Maybe it was all part of your plan all of along. But many times people come into a financial planner's office with a question. Hey, I'd like to retire. Can I? And it's not like they haven't been working toward a set goal with a, hey, I'd like to retire next year. I'd like to retire in two years. Can I? And if you remove Social Security from many of those equations in that scenario, most people cannot. So just simply looking at how you're going to get a bigger monthly Social Security check until you wait till age 70, I think is just not, it's not realistic. You got to look at life expectancy. You got to look at taxes. You got to look at the drain and spend down on your other retirement accounts. And what I mean by that is, if you do, in many cases, if you delay Social Security, your overall taxes will be increased because of how Social Security income is taxed versus other income in many, but not all situations. But you have to look at if you if you delay Social Security to whatever age, you're going to have to spend more of your other assets. Look at the pressure that that puts on your other assets in comparison to how long you're going to live. Look at all aspects, in other words. Don't just look at one and go, this is the, that's just not that simple. So when you read articles, you have to base it on your situation. And how do you do that? You don't go at things alone. You sit down with the independent, fee-only, certified financial planner. You say, here's my IRA, here's my 401k, here's my pension, here's my Roth, here's my savings, here's my other investments, here's my real estate, here's everything that I have. And here's what I'm entitled to from Social Security at age 62, 66, or age 70. And you break down the best scenario for retirement when you want to based on all the things that you have. You just don't start separating things into pieces and go, well, we'll do this. We're not going to take into account Social Security when we've... You don't, don't piecemeal it. So be weary of Social Security articles. When it comes down to when you should start it, because no one can tell you about you, but someone on the inside, and that would be you and your independent financial planner. Learn more at JasonQualsCFP.com. This is the one show giving you the truth about personal finance, and I'm back right after this. Buying a house is stressful, and so is shopping for a mortgage. Take my advice and get a second opinion on the mortgage for your new home or your refinance. Not all banks and mortgage companies are created equal. Trust me on this. Call my friend Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Great team, great process, and the best rates. Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. 
Hey, Financial Coaching Radio listeners, if you don't understand exactly how your financial advisor is compensated, you could be in big trouble. My name is Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner. To learn more about why my process is so unique, go to jasonquallscfp.com or call 878-2134 today. Welcome back to the show. This is Financial Coaching Radio. We're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about taxes in the news. Apparently, the richest Americans are failing to pay $163 billion a year in taxes. The Treasury, U.S. Treasury estimates the top 1% are avoiding paying an estimated $163 billion in taxes a year. That is pushing the estimated tax gap, the amount of money owed by the taxpayers that isn't collected, to nearly around 600 billion well is that really not being collected can you say that the 163 billion dollars that they're skirting around paying is not being collected now whether they're filing fraudulent returns they're padding the numbers or they're doing some things inside the laws of the tax code to avoid uh, paying 163 billion I don't know if that's money that's not being collected. There's a difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance. Tax evasion will get you put in prison. Tax avoidance is totally legal. Nonetheless, wealthy taxpayers are the ones most likely to try some of the tactics, whether they're approved by the IRS or not. Tax evasion is concentrated among the wealthy in part. See, they're already calling it tax evasion. I think that's a little bit of a sway. Let me give you an example. Let's say you could set up a complicated trust with a partnership and offshore bank account for your business that's making multi-millions or billions of dollars a year. And you can avoid paying $5 million in taxes, but it's going to cost you a million dollars in legal fees to go through setting up this complicated process. Obviously, as a wealthy individual, only you have the spending power to take care of that. But if everything was only up and up of the law or maybe there was no clear interpretation of the tax law meaning you're not breaking the law per se until they tell you that you are because even they don't know you're breaking the law is that something you would do and i would say in most cases you would do that that is tax avoidance not tax evasion tax evasion is you knowingly know you owe it you're going to lie, cheat, and steal to avoid paying it. You're going to knowingly break the law. You're not going to use the law to your advantage. You're going to knowingly break the law. That is tax evasion. But so are the rich. Of course, the wealthy are going to do what everything they can to minimize how much they pay in taxes. Those different loopholes and things need to close if you want to stop it. But it's simply asking them, hey, can you pay you $163 billion you're not currently paying? No, they're not going to do that. It's not what they're going to do. Joining in now is Kevin Sizemore, CPA of Tothero, Helen Welch, THWCPA.com. There's a recent article coming out that said that the wealthiest 1% of Americans are avoiding or evading paying $163 billion a year in taxes. The article clearly calls it uh, tax evasion. Obviously, that's missing revenue for the government. But what is your opinion to think if someone uses the tax code to their advantage to pay tax experts because they have the money to pay those people to figure out a way to minimize taxes? What would you, how would you describe that? 
I don't call it evasion. Evasion is isn't that a legal term? That would yeah, that, that would be like you're, <laughs> you're breaking illegal. the law knowingly. Yeah, I, I would not call it a evasion. But you know, most wealthier people like that, they're going to have investments. They're not their earnings, their income is not coming from a W two for the most part. So there's there's things they can you know they're investing in real estate in the market. There's things that they can do. Uh, to avoid taxes uh, or defer them. A lot of times uh, evasion gets confused with uh, defer deferment of taxes. Yeah, I think sometimes they're, they're, they defer and dec- they think they're going to defer it forever, but yeah. that may not be the case. Like a 1031 exchange. You know, if you buy a property and sell it and you decide to do a 1031 exchange and put the, you put that gain against that next property, you can keep on rolling those forever and ever. And yeah, there's an interesting article. Two physicians, they were actually immigrants that came over here. I think first generation, they were doctors. and They had amassed like eight, seven, eight million dollars in real estate, and they were thought about selling it, and their tax bill was going to be something like six hundred grand or something. So they used they used a ten thirty one exchange in a a Delaware type trust, where instead of buying physical properties, they have to manage. It's basically buying into a bigger pool okay. of investment properties. It still qualifies for the ten thirty one defers the taxes but now they don't have to have any property management uh, duties there right but eventually when they cash out of that and when they cash out eventually all those taxes are going to come going to come due from all those deferments uh, well i guess it, what is the scenario thinking about that along the, the terms of stepped up basis so let's say kevin you buy a million dollars of real estate and you hold on to it for 30 40 years and it turns into 10 million dollars of real estate and maybe you sell it and you do a 1031 exchange and then you invest in something new and it goes up to $20 million of, of, of real estate. You still haven't sold anything at, at the end yet, so you have no tax. But then you leave that asset behind to your children. They get stepped up basis and no tax, right? That's right. Well, if, at $20 million, I'm being taxed on it through estate tax. Well, that's true. That's but true. Well, there's ways around well, that. Well, no, not really, because the exemption now is 100 and something million. Oh, it's $11 million. Well, you're married, right? Yeah, married. So, right. so twenty-four million, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yes, they get a step up in basis, and so, and that means that the the inherited property is uh, the fair market value at the basically at the date of death. So, so that's a genius way to pass assets down if you keep doing the ten thirty-one whenever ending it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But there's other creative techniques one can use to minimize taxes. Uh, and I think anyone in that situation would do all that they could to minimize taxes if they were in that position. I'm sure you get asked very, you get asked all the time for someone just making, you know, six figures. What can I do? That's right. And then no one wants to pay more than they have to. That's right. And, and most people come to you with, I want to do things uh, legally, but I don't want to pay taxes until I have to. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem working with those kind of people because uh, they're just like anyone else. Kevin Sizemore, Tothero, Hell, and Welch wrapping up or about to wrap up the end of the, I guess, tax filing extension. What next month will be it? You have to file your tax return. You have no longer, no no more time, right? That's right. And next week is uh, partnerships and S-Corps are due next week. So. When they file, they have filed an extension, I guess. Right, the extension through September 15th. And individuals will be due October 15th. So when your taxes are done, whether you file in April or you file in October or anywhere in between, what is the records that one should keep 
and I think the the easiest answer to this is keep everything forever. But there are some things that I guess you can throw away uh, if you have them stored electronically. But um, is it just a good idea to keep everything for yeah. as long as you can? Yeah, just keep everything for as long as you can. What I tell people, if they're keeping paper documents, I, I tell them to keep them at least five years. Uh, that way it covers uh, you know the three-year look back that they, the IRS can do. Uh, to open up a uh, a return now it, there are situations where if a taxpayer or a business had an nol and they carry it back five years then that opens that year up so you better have documents you know at least back five years is what i suggest to people are they really going after these normal people going back years and years and years on audits is it still how they're spending their time? No, they're not. Unless they need to be going after the people that owe 163 billion. Yeah, who's that? <laughs> the one, the, the one percenters. <laughs> yeah, and, and there has been talk. You know, they were going to hire. I think it might be in that new stimulus. Yeah, it's package. what Biden wants to spend so many million dollars a year to hire a lot more people to go after some of the tax evaders. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that when you say evaders. But what I do have a problem with is, and, and I work in this industry, so I see it, the IRS is way behind on answering things for COVID. tax paper. COVID. Yeah, COVID. Let's make it, <laughs> let's, there's the excuse, COVID. I'm talking six to eight months behind in their mail rooms, opening mail, and getting responses back. So why don't we hire people to handle some of that, you know, and get them caught up? Instead of that would make too much sense to uh, hire someone, pay them fifteen twenty dollars an hour to help them catch up. Open mail. <laughs> they, they're wanting to hire like the the best tax brains in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and those people are hard to find. Yeah, and I guarantee you, they're probably not working for the IRS. <laughs> yeah, which they make a have a lot more money working for the rich. Right. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, so three years is what limitations on tax returns, receipts, paperwork like that. But you said keep it for five. Yeah, that should cover you. Does, do people do this? I know there's the hoarders that keep everything, but do most people just throw the crap away? Yeah, most people throw it away. <laughs> what and do you do? We, we, uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I might keep it. I'll keep the return. We, I'll, I'll keep whatever I have, but man, I, I'm just not. We store everything uh, electronically. We have everything from back till 2002, I believe. If you have filed a tax return with us, any document that you gave to us that was pertinent to that tax return, we have stored electronically. So better yet, just hire a CPA a firm or an individual that does this. You got to keep up with anything. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, Makes I, the fee well worth it. I have all the every week. I have someone asking me for a W two that they had from two years ago or a tax return the last three years tax returns because they they can't locate it and so they just rely on us to have them available for them and, and for the most part it's n not a problem at all kevin what's that local phone number reach out to your firm tethero hill and welch right here in murfreesboro tennessee 848-1072 848-1072 online at thwcpa.com this is financial coaching radio back right after this would you like your business to be more efficient? Well-organized financial records are the foundation of any successful business. Taking advantage of your competition today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. They can provide you with expert bookkeeping, payroll services, tax planning, and much, much more. Go to thwcpa.com or call them at 
1-800-227-1072 today. Do you have a financial plan? I'm not talking about a worthless binder full of pretty charts and graphs. Are you certain you're on track to reach all your financial goals? A comprehensive financial plan is about so much more than just your IRA and mutual funds. It involves risk management, tax planning, professional investment management, retirement, and estate planning. Make sure your entire financial life is in order by calling me, Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner at 878-2134 or go to my website, jasonquallscfp.com. We can do just about anything on the internet today. We can get medical advice buy investments. We could even get a will for about $15. I know how enticing cheap and easy can sound, but when you leave loved ones behind, a $15 will bought online may not cut it. As a certified financial planner, I strongly recommend that you use an estate planning attorney. Call estate planning attorney John Baker today at 896-5621 or go to his website, bakercouncil.com, so you don't make a $15 decision that could cost your family thousands of dollars. Welcome back to the one show giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio. No books to sell. Certainly not pushing any financial products. I'll leave that to the other guys. I'm Jason Qualls, Certified Financial Planner. JasonQuallsCFP.com for All About Me. Kevin Sizemore, CPA of Tothero. Helen Welch is here. And we're talking retirement planning and taxes this segment. Who can and what is a spousal IRA? And that would be just an IRA that you set up for your non-working spouse. And we've run into this snag several times because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But there's not everyone, whether they have a, not all non-working spouses are allowed to set up a spousal IRA. It all has to do with your income and what the working spouse has as far as a retirement plan at work. That's an interesting rule. Yep. (laughs) So a spousal IRA, for the most part, you have a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, or just a stay-at-home housekeeper, I guess you could say. And one is not working, one person is working, and there's no retirement plan for the non-working partner. And you want to be able to contribute for to an IRA. And you can, in most instances, make an IRA contribution for that person up to the limit. Unless you make too much money and you have a work retirement plan, right? That's right. So... Do these rule when you're when you're looking at people making IRA contributions and some individuals catch the rules and some people just you know, they try to verify before before making the contribution. But even like say a Roth IRA, they're under the Roth IRA income limits to make regular contributions, and they're still they they go over and they they're making still making contributions. Does your software catch that type of stuff? The policing of this obviously is so hard on the individual taxpayer because there's so many rules to remember and keep up with. Yeah, for a traditional IRA, it'll catch that. Uh, the software will catch that. But for a Roth IRA, since it's not deductible, it probably wouldn't catch that. Uh, well, and if no, you make it back, it would it would catch it. It would give us it give us a, what we call a diagnostic on the tax return. That they put it into a Roth really weren't allowed to. Yeah, but it's on the individual taxpayer to take that contribution out right. when they weren't supposed to make it. And it, it and it'll it'll spit out like a little letter uh, saying, "Hey, the the taxpayer has to take this out uh, of that Roth by a certain time." Is it going to catch something like making the spousal IRA because you're you're in there working with yeah. the husband's husband and wife? husband has a w-2 and it's checked on that box he has a retirement plan on his w-2 and um, that's going to automatically signal i guess to the software 
yeah. whether or not the spouse could do an IRA. That, that's exactly how it works. So an easy way to fix this issue, if you have questions about this, is think that you can do a spousal IRA in many cases. Just check with your tax person, check with your financial planning person. So the limit IRA limit is what $6,000 per year under age 50. Right. And what's the income limit? It's near 200, isn't it? Uh, on the, on the, I think on the spousal, it only goes up to 102. Let's that, see. Sing, uh, that'd be married, Colin, Joy. Um, yeah, yeah it's I one of those weird little rules there. So let's see. Um, yeah, well, 125, get a partial to 105,000 105, combined. Fa- it starts to, phasing out. starts phasing point. out. Okay. If uh, no one is covered by a work retirement plan. You got to think. That's really what it's all about. It's not that you can't make the IRA contribution because you can't. You know, We're talking about the deduct tax deductibility of it. Yeah, and how how crazy you're talking about someone making one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars cannot make a spousal IRA contribution. We're talking about a household making one hundred and twenty five thousand. If, if the working spouse is covered by a retirement plan at work, then your combined in, income must be a hundred under one hundred and five thousand dollars in two thousand twenty one for you. To get a full deduction on your IRA contribution, it's just for the spousal. Yeah, it, it seems like you. It would be much I don't, higher. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think there should be any limit. If you're, yeah. you, 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 if you, if you, I guess the what is the thought process there? I, I, I don't know because they, if you make under a certain amount and you contribute to an IRA, you get a little credit on your tax return. Like if you, you had one person making fifty thousand, one person making fifty five thousand, and 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 then. What is what's it's not really a spouse? I guess it would be a spousal IRA in that scenario too. But if you both had work retirement plans, you could contribute, right? But since one doesn't, if one didn't have a work retirement plan in that scenario, you start getting phased out. It, <laughs> it makes any, no sense, yeah, no sense at all. But ask the questions before making any retirement plan contribution. Ask your tax professional. Tell the road hello much. THWCPA.com. Kevin, I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. This is Financial Coaching Radio. We're back right after this. Did you know that the U.S. tax code has over 70,000 pages? This is precisely why you must have a tax expert on your team. The folks at THNW CPAs have been providing their expertise to individuals and businesses in Middle Tennessee for over 50 years. And now they have an office right here in Murfreesboro. Call Kevin Sizemore today with THNW CPAs at 848-1072. That's 848-1072 or online at THWCPA.com. How much are your investments costing you each year? Most people don't have a clue. Why is this extremely important? Because overpaying by just 1% a year in fees and expenses can reduce your account balance at retirement by 28%. You heard me right. 28% less at retirement. I'm commission-free, certified financial planner, Jason Qualls. I don't sell financial products. I don't accept commissions or kickbacks from investment companies. Give me a call today for a free unbiased investment review at 878-2134 or visit my website, jasonquallscfp.com. Financial Coaching Radio is back with you. Just wrapping up the show right now. I'm reminding you, listen anytime, anywhere at financialcoachingradio.com. Click archives. Now, this, I can't remember. I'm sure there has been, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it seems like this is the biggest time of uncertainty that we've ever had with the economy, with the investing markets, and things actually being so good, right? We've had this huge run-up in the stock market. Everybody's wondering, when will it end? Can it keep going? 
And there's a lot of fundamentals that say that it can, but no one actually knows. What about the economy? What about political uh, fears on both sides? And what about policies and all that stuff? But have we ever been in such an uncertain time when things have actually been pretty dang good? There's some weird stuff going on. I'm not saying that. A lot of life changes. But man, it's, it's, it's been a successful, it's been a stressful, but successful time. And usually I remember stress and not success going into economic and uh, financial uh, reports or, or outcomes. But not today. We have a very stressful, unknown but successful time period we've been living in for the last year or so, maybe even more, depending on how you look at it. I'm Jason Qual, Certified Financial Planner. Get a second opinion on all things in your financial life. Of course, your investments, your retirement plan, but not just any second opinion from an advisor who only works for you. It's only paid by you. That would be an independent fee-only certified financial planner. Jason Qualls, CFP.com for more. I'm out of here today. appreciate you listening. Check back with me next time and have a safe and happy afternoon.